If you have your Bible, turn to Matthew chapter 28 as we kick off a seven-part sermon series that I'm titling On Mission. On Mission. The first message will be this morning. The second message will be tonight. So you don't want to miss the second message. Be here tonight. And the rest will be over the course of the next five Sunday mornings. The series entitled On Mission. We'll get to our text here in just a little bit, but as you can see, we've worked hard at articulating and at visualizing what we believe to be the mission of Fellowship Baptist Church. And that is right behind me on those banners, helping people find and follow Jesus. By mission, I mean that is who we are and that is what we do. You're going to see through the message this morning that this isn't just cute and and creative slogans to hang up on the wall. It's not just wall art to somehow project that we appear to know what we're doing. This is the mission of the church as given to us from Jesus himself. You you may be thinking, why, why an articulated and visualized mission statement like this? Why give so much intentionality and effort to making it clear and obvious and scratching out an entire sermon series to talk about it. It's on the walls, it's on the bulletins, it's on the website. We're going to have t-shirts available. It's going to be hanging up in our conference room for the church leadership to see daily. It's, it's going to uh, be dominant in the foyer soon. Why do we make such a big deal about this statement? Is it because our church isn't doing it well? Is it because we need to get better at it? Well, I submit to you, come back tonight and you'll figure out real quick, we've been doing pretty good at this. In fact, it's not just this year. Fellowship Baptist Church over the last decade or so or more has been very effective in loving people and reaching people. My dad has has instilled a love for evangelism in our own community and church planning and reaching the world, helping people find and follow Jesus. Long before I ever took the pastorate, this church was excelling at this. The reason why I'm making such a big deal about it now is because I want to stay that way. Here's what I know. If we're not careful, we can easily drift off mission. That's what happened with the world's largest and wealthiest coffee company. Some of you drive 60 miles north just to drink from them. Starbucks. On Tuesday, February 26 of 2008, approximately 7,000 Starbucks were closed for three hours. And during those three hours, approximately 135,000 employees were were retrained in making coffee. Howard Schultz, the leader of the company, observed that, that the baristas were losing their edge in brewing the perfect cup of coffee. As he tried to figure out why that was the case, he thought all the way back to the beginning, the formative years of Starbucks, when the attention of the baristas was solely on coffee. But since those days, there's been an emergence in Starbucks of other food items. And the baristas' attention became divided. And the quality of the coffee and the customer experience spiraled downwards. So Schultz, being a good leader, called a timeout. He made a decision that Starbucks would immediately reduce the variety of breakfast sandwiches made and sold. And the reason he made that decision was because the smell of the sandwiches was competing with the aroma of coffee. And the aroma of coffee is essential in the Starbucks experience. It's like half the experience. So he closed 7,000 stores for several hours, which was extremely costly for the company. But the decision refocused the company 
on its core mission, great coffee. Offering fewer breakfast sandwiches was not a popular decision with everyone. In fact, some some high up leaders quit because of that decision. But the move revealed a renewed commitment to the essence of Starbucks. And that's what today is all about. A renewed sense of commitment to the essence of Fellowship Baptist Church. If a company as successful as Starbucks can slowly drift off mission, Fellowship Baptist Church can too. But the difference between Starbucks drifting off mission and the church drifting off mission is huge. Because we're not about serving lattes. Though we do right over there, they're for sale. We're more about serving people. We're not about making profit. We're about making followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the mission we have is too important to drift. Thus, we're going to talk about our mission this morning, tonight, and for the next several weeks. We're going to be intentional all year and years to come in keeping this before you. I want to take some time to really focus in on the mission itself. That statement. Helping people find and follow Jesus. Why is that our mission? And what does it look like for Fellowship Baptist Church to be on Mission. Two reasons for why it's a church's mission. Number one, Jesus commanded the mission. I want you to know this isn't a marketing technique. This isn't a slogan that I somehow crafted to get more people in the doors of Fellowship Baptist Church. We don't sell Jesus. We don't sell the gospel. No, no, this is from Jesus himself. In fact, in Matthew's gospel... Matthew is trying throughout the whole gospel, all 28 chapters, he's trying to make a point in his gospel. Every, all four gospels have their own little nuance to it. And Matthew's nuance, his, his focus, his theme, is he wants to show Jesus to be the king of kings. It's clear as you read it, it's clear as you study it. But Matthew's point wasn't only to show us that Jesus is king, or else he would have stopped after Jesus' death and resurrection. He also... Wants to, wants to get across to his disciples, to his church, a mission to proclaim Jesus as king to the ends of the earth. And that's a story that continues even today. That's the beauty of the text we're about to study. That you and I, listen, we are part of this story. We are disciples of the king of kings. We're commissioned by the king. We're sent out by the king to proclaim his life, to proclaim his death, and to proclaim his resurrection all over the world. This has historically been called the Great Commission. One commentator said it's not just the focus of Matthew's gospel. It might be the focus of the entire New Testament. I would, I would, I would agree with that because it is the very heart of Jesus for his church. Look how he starts in verse 18. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Notice Jesus didn't start with the command. He actually started with a claim. Before he ever said, go ye into all the world, he says, I want you to know all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. What is that about? It's about his authority. So if Matthew's theme is that Jesus is king, One of the greatest purposes of applying that to his listeners and his readers would have been to prove that Jesus has authority as king. And he went through great effort to chronicle that in his gospel. He proved that Jesus had authority over nature and authority over disease and authority over demons and authority over sin and authority over death. 
here in this text, Matthew ends this gospel by saying that Jesus has authority over all the nations. The entire world. He created the world. He has authority over it. Now, why is that important before we ever get to understand the Great Commission and its implications? Why preface Jesus' command? Why did he preface that with a statement or a claim about his authority? Two reasons. This is important. First, because the command he was about to give his disciples would have felt absolutely impossible in the moment. Remember who Jesus was talking to. Very ordinary Jewish men. Many of them fishermen for a living. Some tax collectors. A few other professions that were just blue-collar guys. And Jesus came to them one day and said, follow me. They dropped their nets. They, they forsook all. They followed him. Now for them to hear Jesus says, hey, I'm about to leave. And it's up to you to reach the entire rest of the world with the gospel like I've reached you. That would have been overwhelming in the moment. They couldn't even get their own act together half the time. Let alone propel the gospel forward into all the world. And were it not for them knowing and believing in Jesus' absolute power and authority in the world and be reminded of it here, they would have been powerless. But because these men saw firsthand that Jesus calmed the storm and he walked on the water and he raised Lazarus from the dead and he fed 5,000 hungry people with a little boy's lunch and he made the blind to see and the deaf to hear, because they witnessed his authority and power in these extraordinary ways, they knew that what Jesus was about to asked them to do, though it would feel overwhelming and impossible, was perfectly possible because he had all power. And the same is true for us. We're given the same commission. Going into all the world, preach the gospel to every creature. We, we, we are given the same commission. I'll talk about it in a moment. And to me, that's a huge task. Fellowship Baptist Church is said that we are to reach the world. We haven't even reached all 20,000 people in our little corner of the world let alone the entire world. How are we to do that? Thankfully, Jesus offers us the same confidence that he offered his disciples. I'll help you. I'll give you authority. I'll give you power. And that's why he ended the gospel uh, and by saying this, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Hey, church, don't be overcome. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't be intimidated. I'm about to give you a big task, but understand I'm going with you. But there's another implication in regards to his authority that is less comforting. And it's more convicting. And it's this. If he has all authority, that means that we as his disciples, as his followers and as his church, should submit to that authority. Implication is clear. The Great Commission is not an option to be considered. If you're a disciple of Christ, you don't get to go home and weigh it out and pray about whether you're going to participate or not. It is a command given by the authority of God. And it is to be obeyed by every disciple in every church without question. If you're a follower of Christ, I hope you are. Then on the authority of the words of Christ, listen to me, friend, you are commanded to help others find and follow Jesus. And if you are not on mission in that way, you are living in direct disobedience to God. And that's why Jesus opened up the Great Commission with the word go. It's not just about hearing what he wants you to do. It's about doing what he wants you to do. Go ye therefore. What's that about? Well, I'll tell you what it's not. It is not a comfortable call inviting Christians to come and be baptized and sit in one location the rest of their Christian life. Yet that is exactly what we're tempted to turn our mission into. And if we're not careful, this is what our Christianity will consist of. We may come to a worship service. Participate in the life of the church, 
serve in the church, even give regularly to the church, all the while neglecting to make disciples. No, I say this with confidence that the church is filled with people who, who have been Christians for 5, 10, 15, some 50 years who have never led someone outside of their family to be a reproducing disciple. Many Christians today in this building are missing their mission. In his book, Born to Reproduce, Dawson Trotman said this. The curse of today is that we are too busy. I'm not talking about being busy earning money to buy food. I'm talking about being busy doing Christian things. We have spiritual activity with little productivity. The gospel spread to the known world during the first century without radio, television, or the printing press because the writings of the apostles produced men who were reproducing. But today we have a lot of pew sitters. I want to say that again. Today we have a lot of pew sitters, in our case, chair sitters. People think that if they are faithful in church attendance and put good-sized gifts into the offering plate, they've done their part. He writes this, if I were a minister of a church and had deacons or ushers to pass the plate and choir members to sing, I would certainly say, thank God for your help. We need to praise the Lord these extra things you do. But I would keep pressing home the big job, be fruitful and multiply. All these other things are incidental to the supreme task of winning a man or a woman to Jesus Christ and then helping him or her to go on. And all God's people said, Here's what he's saying. The Great Commission is not a comfortable call where you come to church, get baptized and sit in one location. Rather, the Great Commission is a costly command. Directing every Christian, yes, to come to church. Directing every Christian, yes, to get baptized. But then directing every Christian to make disciples of every nation. A costly command to help people find and follow Jesus. And this has been Jesus' plan from the beginning. Do you remember how Jesus started his ministry with these same guys he just commissioned? Look how he started in the beginning of Matthew's gospel. And he saith unto them, follow me. But he didn't stop there. He didn't say, hey, come with me to church, get baptized, we'll hang out on Sundays. He says, follow me. Then what he said, I will make you fishers of men. Jesus plan for his church from the beginning was for every person that followed him to also help others follow him. That's why Matthew ended his gospel this way. And it's beautiful. He ended how he began. Go make disciples. Followers find followers. Scripture knows nothing, church, of disciples who aren't making disciples. If, if our early forefathers in the gospel, these guys, Peter, Thomas, all the other disciples, you know their names. I do too. I just don't want to tell you. All those guys, if they sat and, 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 and witnessed the life of a church in America in 2021, I want to be kind, but I want to be frank. They'd be disgusted. They would say, that is not what Jesus had in mind. You've drifted off mission. To you, church is about drawing a large crowd, taking up a large offering, occupying a fancy building, putting on a weekly production, and then coming back next Sunday and doing it over and over. They would be nauseated. As a result, listen, we have churches in America today full of fans of Jesus, but not followers of Jesus. 
You've got Jesus fans who are coming weekly to do the church thing, feel better about themselves, go about their business during the week, come back the next Sunday, do it all over again. What Christ is calling for in the Great Commission is for true followers who, yes, will come to church on Sunday, but they'll go out into the world Monday through Saturday and bring back a would-be follower the next Sunday. And they will follow up with that would-be follower until that would-be follower becomes a follower of Jesus. And then they'll teach them how to get baptized. And they'll walk through them the, through, the, through the first steps of the Christian life and mentor them and train them and disciple them to be a reproducing disciple. That's the Great Commission. If Peter were to stand behind this pulpit in an American church in 2021, he would say this, you're off mission, church. You're more about programs and events and glitter and shine and promotions and all these things. And you've lost sight of the fact that you are to go and make disciples. Church is all about you, Peter would say. It's all about your comfort. It's all about you coming and singing and feeling good about yourself. When it's supposed to be about the mission. Jesus commanded it. That's the first thing. We can't drift from it. We can't make a a more comfortable version of it. He commanded it. The disciples didn't adjust it. The first church didn't adjust it. And that's the second reason for why this is our mission right here. Because the disciples continued it. Would you study with me over a few verses just for a second? These are Jesus' very last words before he went back up into heaven. And he told the disciples this in Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and the uttermost parts of the world. In other words, he says this. Go help people find and follow Jesus and do it everywhere. Okay, what did the disciples do? Well, Jesus went up to heaven. No doubt they were scared. Said, oh man, he wasn't joking around. He's he's gone. Look at verse 12. Then returned they in Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they were come in, they went up to an upper room where abode both, oh, here's here's the guy's names Peter and James and John and Andrew, Philip, and I never won Bible quizzes, by the way, and Thomas, Bartholomew, and Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, and Simon, Zelotus, and Judas, the brother of James. How are you going to remember Zelotus, man? don't, Don't be judgmental. Verse 14, here's the encouragement. These all continued with one accord in prayer and supplication. But they didn't just pray. Somebody had to speak the gospel. And that's what they did in chapter 2, verse 14. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said to them, Ye men of Judea and all you that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. And he preached an entire message, a lot longer than I'll preach today. And look at the response in verse 40. Verse 41, rather, then they that gladly received his word were baptized. And the same day they were added to them about 3,000 souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. See that word continued? And fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. It doesn't even stop there. In chapter 3, they went and healed a lame man, drew a crowd, preached the gospel, and 5,000 people got saved. Then they were thrown in prison. And you think, okay, that's going to get them to drift off mission. But it didn't. When they released him in prison, said, you better not do this again or we're going to have your head. Here's what Peter and John told them. Nope, you can't shut us up. We can't help but speak. You can't kick us off the mission. You can't threaten us to stop. We're going to keep preaching the gospel. We're going to keep helping people find and follow Jesus because that is our purpose. That's our call. Not even opposition could get them to drift. I'm just telling you, because Jesus commanded the mission, because the disciples continued the mission, watch here, Fellowship Baptist Church ought to be committed to the mission. 
There's the message. The authority on which I say this is our mission is the authority of Jesus Christ commanding it. The authority of his first church continuing it. And thus, our church today must be committed to it. What does that look like? Let's apply it and we'll go home. To be on mission, you have to first feel the burden to help other people find and follow Jesus. This is where being on mission starts. It starts right here. You watch it? In your heart. You have to be fully persuaded in your spiritual heart that there are people around you, yet even in liberal Kansas, who are lost. And if someone doesn't go and tell them about Jesus Christ, they will go to hell. That has to shake you to the core. You have to be burdened by that. That's why Jesus instructed his disciples in John chapter 4. Look at this verse on the screen. Say not ye, there are yet four months and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. What was Jesus doing? He was addressing the disciples' burden, their hearts, and he was teaching them that what they see affects how they feel. And if they wanted to catch his burden for the lost and dying world around them, they could procrastinate no longer. They needed to get their eyes off of their own business, off of their own lives, off their own fields. And they had to get their eyes up and looking on the lost fields in the world around them. Because until they saw the lost, they wouldn't feel anything for the lost. I would tell you the same thing, church. We need to lift up our eyes. If you want to catch a burden for this mission right here, and not just rely on your pastor and the pastoral staff and a few others to carry it out. If you want the burden, you got to lift your eyes. you got to lift your eyes and look at the man whose life in our own community is ravished by sin and addiction. And whose life has been destroyed by alcohol or drugs or pornography. Hey, you got to look at him. He needs Jesus you got to lift up your eyes at the woman who's been rejected her whole life and as a result has never felt good enough and so she's turned to sin to numb her pain. you got to look at her. you got to lift up your eyes and you you got to see the religious person in our community who's just as lost as the drunk on the street. He looks good. He goes through the motions, but he's stooped in a false religion that his family has raised him in that is all about external behavior and not about a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. you got to look at him you got to lift up your eyes, church. Young people, when you go to school, you got to lift up your eyes and see the teenager in our community whose parents don't know or love Jesus, whose parents yell and scream at each other all the time, whose parents make him feel worthless. you got to look at that young boy and say, he needs hope. you got to lift up your eyes and see the co-worker who comes to work on Monday, literally every Monday morning hungover from the weekend of partying. His life is all fun and games as he's in search for true meaning. you got to look at him you got to lift up your eyes and you got to see the single mom who happened to be your, your waitress at the restaurant. you got to see her as tired and worn out and, and she's waiting on you as a second job to make ends meet. She, she barely sees her kids because she's trying to put clothes on their back and shoes on their feet and a roof over their head. She's overwhelmed and she needs to know the power and strength and peace that Jesus can give her in spite of her circumstances. you got to see her. All the above mentioned are in liberal Kansas. And until you lift your eyes and see that there are indeed lost souls who are ready to be harvested, you won't have a burden. 
The problem with the church today is we got our eyes in our own field. We got our heads down plowing our field. When you come to church, it's about you. Then you go throughout the week and you just plow your field, man. You, you just wake up and, and, and you go to work and then you take a lunch break and you go back to work and you get off work and, and you take the kids to their activities and, and then you go home and eat some supper and, and then you rest for a few minutes and you, you, you go to bed and you get a good night's rest and you wake up and you do it all over again. The tragedy of that kind of life, though most of it is necessary, is that in the meanwhile, while you're, you're plowing your own field, doing your own thing, not once in a day did you ever look up and see a lost soul. And so you've lost your burden. You can go to the gym and not see a lost soul. You can go to the bank and not see a lost soul. You can go to Walmart and not see a lost soul. You can go to church and not see a lost soul. Drop your kid off at Kids Inc. practice and not see a lost soul. You can go pick your kids up from the daycare and not see a lost soul. You go to work and not see any lost souls. All you see is your own bean field. All you see your own rows and they're pretty and they're straight and your life is all together and your bank account is full and things are great in your own field. In the meanwhile, you've drifted way off mission because it ain't about your field. It's about the field of lost souls. And that's where it starts. Having a burden. My deepest fear, Dad. My deepest fear for Fellowship Baptist Church is that we lose our burden for lost it's what, if there's anything that keeps me up at night as a pastor, it's that. It's from the top down. Us making Fellowship Baptist Church about us. I'm going to tell you tonight that, that we're about to have this building paid off. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. But... Here's, here's what, that's, here's what that, that has a tendency to do. We got good music. Got our bills paid. People are coming. We're just going to go to that church because we can kind of get lost in the crowd and we enjoy it there. And even from, the, even from the church leadership, chairs are filled. Connection groups, the Bible studies, they're filled. Children's church is great. Nurseries are rocking, they're packed, the future's bright. I'm afraid some of them kids are going to grow up and be adults and that scares me, but the future is bright. <laughs> and would it not be easy to get our own eyes only on our field and in comfort? So, you know, we're just going to ride this out. It's just us and we're going to welcome anybody who comes. We're just not going to go and get anybody. And it's just about us. I want you, every church member, to have a burden. How do you get it? Lift up your eyes. Here's the second thing you have to do to be on mission. Everybody has to take personal responsibility for helping people find and follow Jesus. Can I tell you something? It's not just my job. Oh, no, it's my calling. It's my life. And I know that, 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 that this is like what I do for a living. And so it certainly is my job. But it's not mine to carry alone. I will never be able to interact with your coworkers like you do. I'll never be able to interact with your customers and your patients like you do. Or your clients. Or, or your students. I'll never be able to interact with your family like you can. That's your job. 
It's your job to go get in their field and say, you know what? I'm going to see what soul is ready to be harvested. You got to take personal responsibility for this. Listen, when you join a church, when you join a church, you sign up for that church's mission. Okay, you, you don't join a church to say you belong somewhere. So God forbid if you die and have a funeral, your family knows where to go. I mean, I'll preach your funeral. I really will. But, but that's not why you join a church. You join a church to enlist in a mission. If you go to a secular company, you don't get to make up the mission. It, 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 you don't get to go adjust the mission to fit your liking. Unless you're like the founder. But if you're going to sign up to work for a company, you're given a job description. You're given a mission. You're given a point of emphasis. You're given areas of responsibility. And, and you know you have to buy into that or you're not going to last very long. Why is it different in a church? Why does everybody get, their own th- get to do their own thing? We join churches and then we just, well, well I'll just do my own mission. That's the mission. And so we're going to be real clear when people come to join Fellowship Baptist Church, like unapologetically, and I want to say this really kind, but I, I'm firm in it because it's what I believe. You're expected to do that. From the pulpit all the way to the back, even Potsy is expected <laughs> to help people find and follow Jesus. Our own Zacchaeus. A wee little man he was. He climbed up in a sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. As the Savior passed that way. Yeah. It's not in the notes, man. I got to get going. My burden, my burden is that many members have either never enlisted in the mission or they drifted way off. Because Fellowship Baptist Church is a place you can get lost in real easy. And we're going to do some things intentionally to help you enlist and take personal responsibility. Let me give you one more. To be on mission, everyone needs to be radically committed to the activities that help the church accomplish its mission. This is why you have these growth steps. You might have noticed them on the back of your bulletin. You might have seen them on the walls. Believe, commit, connect, grow, and serve. Here's what we want to do. We want to give you a clear guide to how you can help somebody find and follow Jesus. If all we did was was put these front banners on and say, okay, church, we're getting back to the Great Commission, it would last two weeks. But we got a plan. We got a system. We got a process. If you bring someone into the front doors of Fellowship Baptist Church on a Monday morning, you know the very first step they need to take? They need to believe. Don't be pushing on them to come back on Sunday night if they never accepted Jesus as their Savior. Don't tell them to join the church. They ain't joining the church if they got saved, you know. Pardon my English. You got clarity. If it's part of my mission to help people find and follow Jesus, then I need to find out, number one, are they saved? If they're saved, then you're going to help them understand, hey, you need to be part of a church. I'm going to preach on that in two weeks from now. I'll preach on Believe next Sunday. Next Sunday is a great time to bring somebody who you know needs Jesus Christ. It's a, it's a purely salvation message. And I'm going to preach on committing. What, why do we do church membership? What, what is that all about? Why not come and go? Why enlist? Why become part of something? It's actually biblical, I believe. 
And it's essential if you really want to grow in Christ. And then if they've committed, then you're going to help them connect into a connection group. What we've historically called fellowship adult, adult fellowship Bible class. And I'll explain to you why we changed that name to provide more clarity. I'll, I'll, I'll explain that to you tonight. You connect them so they can, get, they can build relationships with godly people. And then we work on getting them to an evening service, a Sunday night, a Wednesday night. Now, I don't say that because, because that's in the Bible. Sorry to wreck, wreck you, but the Bible doesn't say we have to have three services a week. You know why we do that? The principle is the closer, the closer that Jesus gets to his return, the more we ought to assemble. That's the principle of Hebrews. But, but, but here's, here's why we do that specifically. Because we have seen this proven over and over and over in the lives of believers here at church. When you expose yourself to more preaching and more teaching and more worship and, and, and more fellowship, your growth accelerates. I've seen it in people that joined the church and they weren't used to coming back on a Sunday night. They, 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 they did yard work on Sunday afternoon and they did lesson plans on Sunday night and, and all these things. And, and I did, we're not, I'm, try, I'm truly, we don't want to be judgy or, or, or anything like that. That's not the idea. The idea is we want to give you the best chance to grow. And so here's what we know. A Sunday night service, I mean, it's like, it's preaching time. And we sing and worship and gather and fellowship. And it's, it's, it's my favorite service of the entire week. Like it's worth coming to. And we've found that when people make that a part of their life, even though it hasn't been previous and it takes a while to make that a part of your lifestyle. But when people do, it's like you push the gas pedal on your spiritual growth. And some of you need to help some people that come to your connect group come back on Sunday night. Then we want them serving. Everybody's somebody in the body. You can greet uh, you, you, you can greet out in the parking lot or at the front door. You can work on a bus ministry. Go pick up kids that otherwise couldn't come to church on their own. Uh, you, you, you can help in children's church. You, we really, really need help in the nurseries. Um, I feel a lot of enthusiasm for that ministry. Uh, you can sing in the choir. Um, I'm not even touching the surface of everything we can assimilate you into, but you can find your sweet spot and start doing it. And get involved. See, that we, we want to be clear in that. Now, now watch here. If you are going to help people find and follow Jesus, you don't just need to know the steps. You need to have first taken the steps yourself. Some of you might just be on the first step. You believe you got a testimony, you know it, but you need to join the church. Just visited with the family this last week. Brittany and Justin Alexander, who are going to jump into first steps. And, and Justin's about to get baptized because he got saved on Wednesday night. And, and, and they're going to join the church. And I, I'm telling you, I've got a prospect list of 12 or 14 people right now that, that are ready to take the next step of church membership. I love that. I love that. In two weeks, if you aren't bought into that idea, come back in two weeks. I, I think that you will buy into it when I show you from a biblical perspective how church membership can help your life. Some of you have, have done that, but you don't come at 945. You need to connect with people in your life stage. That's a step you need to take or grow or serve or whatever the case might be. You need to be living that before you help other people live it. Does that make sense? And then on top of that, as a pastor, I have got to be radically committed to protecting the church from drifting off mission. What does that look like? That means I've got to be constantly examining our ministries, our events, our programs, our outreach, everything we do. And I've got to have the guts at times to say we're going to stop that. Why? It's not accomplishing that. But we love it. Our kids love it. We've always done it. I sympathize with that. 
I've been raised in this church. There's a lot of uh, uh, sentiment with a lot of things in our church that, that I'm attached to. But if it's not fulfilling the mission, then like Henry Schultz, we're, we're going to have a renewed, sin, renewed commitment to the essence of who we are. And that might mean as a pastor, I, I, I've got to protect us from drifting by cutting some things or, or adding some things or simplifying some things or whatever the case might be, adjusting some things, changing some things. That means I'm not going to compromise at all. Don't be all nervous about that. I'm not going to compromise a, a, an ounce of the scripture at all. But boy, we've, I've, got, I've got to protect our mission. Because a ministry like this, you know what? It can get real complex real quick. Tonight I'll talk to you about that in a little more detail. I want to go back to John chapter 4 and then we'll be done. Would you do that? Look at that first line. Jesus said, say not ye, there are yet four months. What is he saying? Stop procrastinating. You don't get four months to just do your own thing and then you'll go out and reach the world. Jesus said they are ready to be harvested right now. You don't need to pray about it. You don't need to think about it. You don't need to ask anybody about it. You don't need to wait till you feel like it. Stop procrastinating. And that would be my heart for some of you today. Jesus is saying now. Many of you are saying not now. You're not saying no. You're just saying not now. I'll commit to church membership maybe this year. And I would say to you, now's the time. I'll, I'll connect. and, and yeah, it's, It is getting up a little bit earlier on Sunday. And I'm just not, I don't know anybody. But maybe when I, I, I feel more comfortable, I'll get in a connection group. And I would tell you the time is now. Hey, when I figure out my schedule, I'll come on an evening service. And I would tell you the time is now. You know what? I think it's a lot easier, Brother Tyler, just kind of coming and going. Committing to a ministry means that when I'm up on the roster, I have to be there. And, I mean, let me show you my schedule right quick. Because, no. Say not ye, there are yet four months. If Jesus were to come back right now, would he find you on mission? Right now. You've got to be blind if you don't think Jesus is coming back soon. If you're coming back right now, where are you at on the growth steps? Are you on mission or have you drifted off mission? If you've drifted off, no judgment here. I'm a drifter too. Just get it right. Get back on course. Because a life fully committed to following Jesus is a life that is worth it. Satisfying and joyful and awesome. If you agree with the Bible today, say amen. amen. Stand to your feet, every head bowed and every eye closed.